about 100 miles south of Cairo, in a little place called Harari, is the remains of a ruin. Discovered in the late 1800s and pretty much forgotten ever since. Now, Herodotus talks of this and he says, Egypt's buildings surpass everything that the Greeks have done. The pyramids, amazing, the best thing ever. But there's one thing in Egypt that surpasses even the Great Pyramid, and that is the Great Labyrinth. And then that's left at that. Um, it was discovered in the late 1800s, hardly ever explored. A huge room, huge building, over 100 metres one side to the other, of interlocking rooms. And that's what we know. And that, according to many, is the only reference to labyrinths ever. Not the Minotaur. They never called that a labyrinth because it's not a labyrinth, it's a maze, because he needed a thread. With a labyrinth, there's only one way in and one way out. You wouldn't get lost. So, again, unfortunately, this Harara place is also a maze. It's not a labyrinth. It is just in connected rooms. So what is a labyrinth? No one knows. I was in a very strange set of circumstances a couple of years ago. I was at the Artemis Gathering, where I always tend to go, and um, I decided to bring my labyrinth with me. And I have the small one sort of in here, it's slightly lopsided. And um, I thought I'd bring it along because I wanted to share it with people there. Strangely enough, Hutton was also there, as he usually is, and he was doing a talk on labyrinths, which was quite interesting. So I've managed to crep a lot of stuff off him which I'm going to regurgitate a little bit of that. Now, he um, did some, obviously it's Hutton, so he goes on for quite some time, but some of the concise aspects there are that no one knows what the word labyrinth actually means. There's no reference to it. There's no idea what it actually is. The earliest datable labyrinth is on a Roman pot. It was painted, of course, the pottery can be dated. Carvings can't be. And there's a lot of carvings scattered all over Europe um, with this particular one sort of associated with the Cretan labyrinth, which was on the Roman pot. Now, there's also some other famous ones. There's one down in Cornwall, which now, seeing that's been well walked past for quite a long time and it was only spotted less than a century ago, who's to say how long it actually has been there? Because <laughs> you can't date the carving. Um, they also are very common in Scandinavia, this particular design. No one knows why, I've got a few Finnish friends, and so they're just everywhere. No one knows what they're for, they're just there. But what else do we know? Well, we know they were some kind of device that much is certain, whether it's just a pure geometrical kind of pattern which appealed to people. Spirals appear in many cultures and they have an interesting effect and that effect is what I'll talk about in a bit. But other 
Um, where was I going? Oh, I'll go back onto the thing. The effect of spirals. Everyone's probably reasonably familiar with sort of hypnotic effect. Now, I was introduced to these by sheer chance, as most things tend to be, <coughs> about three years ago. I found a book on it, and it appealed to me for a couple of reasons. The primary one was, it was said to be a very good meditative process, and that put my attention. Um, for those that don't sort of know my path, I'm sort of a comedic reconstructionist. <laughs> I work with an Egyptian deity. <laughs> yeah, um, although comedic reconstructionists will say I'm not one because I only work with one deity and a few others when she can be bothered and the others can be bothered to show up. I also work with chaos magic principles. But again, most chaos magicians will say I'm not one because I don't do the full works. So I'm just me, as we all tend to be just ourselves. 